Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic, And it is game week. We play the Dallas Cowboys in less than a week. It is the week of the game. The next podcast you're going to be hearing from us is a preview pod. We are back in the season. We got a mailbag to finish off the offseason for you. Justin, how are you? Bobby Skinner, I'm, I'm great. I had a, some moments this past weekend where... I started to sit back and I started to get really nervous. I started to think about what I've never uh, gotten nervous this early. <laughs> you know, it's what expectations. Uh, what's two o'clock, what's three thirty, what's four thirty PM gonna gonna be like on Sunday with those nerves all around. But officially launched today on Monday on Labor Day, we are having tailgates, former t- formal tailgates every single game of this season. So what am I going to be doing at 3.30 and 4.30 p.m. on Sunday? I'll be getting nervous with a bunch of other Giants fans at our tailgates L16 on the curb at MetLife Stadium. If you go to shop.johnboymedia.com and you click on my events, and also the link is in our description as well and in the show notes. If you go to that website, you can go to our events. It's the only event that's listed on that website. You can even get some multi-game bundles if you know that you're going to be heading to a bunch of Giants games this year. You get food and you get access to entertainment. It is BYOB. We'll have sodas. We'll have waters too. But if you want to bring alcohol, bring your own alcohol. Food catered every single week by a few different spots. Shop.johnboymedia.com. Click on JM Events. Talking Giants L16 Tailgate on the curb. We'll see you there. And if you want to come and hang out, if you want to come and just hang out too, you're more than welcome to come and hang out as well. But the ticket is just to get food and access to like the entertainment that we're doing and the events that we're doing. Yeah, I mean, food, food is the main thing. And we wanted to do this. Not, obviously, I won't be at any of them except for the Patriots, which is a free one. But free the, one. one of the main things we said is we want to make this like tailgates are expensive, you know, and there's times where I've wanted to go to tailgates, but I'm like, man, this is like for two people. This is, you know, this is a lot of money. So we made them as cheap as possible, which what, so they're what? $50 a person, $50 a game of $50 a person, excuse me. And if you do want to get some multi-game bundles, we, we chop off the the prices. If you want to buy multiple games. Well, and if, if you buy the whole year, you're getting it for $40 a game per person because you have the free free one in there. One yeah, game that's what I'm saying. When you include games. when you include that, like you you are going forty dollars a game. It's a good price. So it, it's it's like we wanted to do that. So I'm I'm excited that we get to do that. Obviously, the bring your own booze. One we can't won't want to be liable for people doing that. And also, we want to make it to where it's friendly for people less than twenty one years Correct. older, and they're not paying more for stuff that they can't get, which is right. alcohol. And alcohol is the easiest thing to bring to a game. It's the food that's tough. So yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited for you guys. I'm going to be having a lot of FOMO. Like this year, I'm going to be like last year the Cowboys game when you did the free one. I had a lot of FOMO. I'm going to have FOMO every single week. So thanks a lot for giving me that, Justin. You're welcome. All right, let's uh. Before we get into the mailbag pod, Justin, the Giants restructured some of Daniel Jones' contract. They restructured $8.5 million into a bonus, creating $6.3 million in cap space for the Giants this year. They did this instead of adding void years to Leonard Williams and Adore Jackson's contract. We knew that eventually that this would happen at some point with Daniel Jones' contract, Justin, and this... One that's a little, it's showing a little more faith in DJ, but also being like, we don't want to touch Leonard Williams and Adore Jackson's contracts either. I thought that the Giants maybe had a little bit more cap space to where they wouldn't be, you know, where they wouldn't have to do something like this. But knowing that, like, if there's a contract that you want to do it with, it's, I guess it's going to be 
Daniel Jones. This is a guy. Well, that the one that's get... the most easy, easily manipulated. Yeah. Where the yeah. other ones are just adding void years. Yeah, for sure. So um, it's funny how we ended the Daniel Jones PPP with, uh, "Hey, go out there and let's reduce that cap hit for 2000, 2024. You know, go out there and play well." Certainly, that that doesn't change. And like this is this is a big little nothing burger for me. The Giants needed to get into a healthy uh, cap situation, but also there's the uh, there's the devil in me being like, "Go out and get Mike Evans." Yeah, I, I actually don't want them to get Mike Evans because you have to pay him and he's 30 years old. I know, I, I, but that I, would be fun. <laughs> it would be, it would be. But I also don't want to lose sight that, hey, this is the second year of a new regime. Correct. But it's why, like, so when we originally saw the contract, like the basics of it, we're like, oh, this is probably about a three-year deal. But then when you saw it, it's like, oh my gosh, they really made this where they could cut bait after two years. But we said in that month of March, it was like, Eventually, this is probably going to look like a three-year deal because they're going to yeah. have to move some of this money. The only way they won it was would be if it was a disaster after this year, and they're like, "All right, we're going to swallow our lumps because we're moving off this guy after 2024," yep. which I just I don't see being the case. So it's whenever you move money around on a quarterback's contract, it gets a big reaction. But in reality, this was this was going to happen either today or you know, next off season or something. Unless again, Daniel Jones just had the worst year possible where it's a clear cut. We're moving off this guy, but this is not the last time that they're going to do something with Daniel Jones's contract. I am. No, they're going to do it again in the off. I'm very positive. He's not going into next off season with that $40 million cap hit, but it's going to be on Jones where it will all be dependent on how we'll feel about it. Right. Whereas if he goes out and he plays well this year, maybe they could, if it's an, it's an extension or, you know, whatever the multitude of things that you can do with the contract, how are we going to feel about it? will be dependent on how we play and what's our record going to look like after this year. All right, Justin, won't we, won't you take it away, Steve? Mail time. Thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. First question is coming from Chris at NYG in Phil. NYG in Philadelphia, some would presume. What are your thoughts on Jalen Hyatt's ceiling? Is it Offensive Rookie of the Year? Do you expect him to see significant playing time from week one and grow to a wide receiver one at the bye week? What's the thoughts on Hyatt's ceiling, Bobby? Now, I am really interested to see if he goes from being a rotational guy into like, hey, you're a starter. Like, you're one of the best two guys on this team. You're a sure, you're, you're not taking very many reps off. But the ceiling to me is not offensive rookie of the year because of the use of Darren Waller, because right now he's not a starter. I mean, look at the rookies of the year the last five years. Garrett Wilson last year with 1,100 yards. Jamar Chase with 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns. Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray and Saquon Barkley. Like, he's not going to have... One, he's not a quarterback, so the bar isn't lower for to win an award. And he's just not going to win... He's not going to win Rookie of the Year, like, unless a lot of people got injured. So I don't see Rookie of the Year the ceiling with the usage that he's getting. Also, he still does need some... Like, and we can turn this into just Jalen Hyatt, like, 2023, what is he question. There still is a lot of work that's needed to his game, Right. Like yeah. he's he's really bad against press, and they're going to use him in different ways to where he's not having to face a bunch of press. But he does struggle against press big time, and to 
play in the NFL consistently on the outside, you're going to have to face some press. So he's got to get better against that. And the route tree just needs work, right? Like it's, he is, he will separate like, and I have bigger expectations than I did before camp for Jalen Hyatt, but to be getting the every down starter reps, he does need to, exp- uh, you know, expand his route tree. Yeah, and I think one of the ways that the Giants are going to look to avoid press, I'm even looking back at his 33-yard touchdown that he had against the Panthers. The Giants did put him in motion pre-snap. Whereas, so if they Giants put him in motion pre-snap against the Panthers. He eventually did settle down into a spot. So if a corner was playing man-to-man, could have easily followed him. But then the play against the Jets and the Sauce Gardner play, that was one where he was just going in motion at the snap which I think if you can get some momentum, if he can get some momentum kind of under his feet a little bit, maybe he won't be altered so much by by press. But that's certainly that is a concern. His overall route running is just a is a is a concern, but I don't even want we all know it though. So I, I don't want even want to just pile pile on that. We know that Jalen Hyde has to develop as a route runner. But part of me is also saying like, why why not have a a, a year where He's doing the things that he's doing in camp. He's doing the things that he's done in preseason. And he kind of what he kind of did at Tennessee, too. I even look back at like Darius Slayton's rookie year. I think this is really lofty. And I don't think he's going to reach these numbers. But Darius Slayton went 48 catches, 84 targets, 740 yards, eight touchdowns. That I think is the that I think is the ceiling. Like I if if Jalen Hyatt is reaching Darius Slayton rookie year numbers. Almost 50 catches, almost 750 yards, eight touchdowns. I think we are over the moon about Jalen Hyatt, right? Yeah, and Slayton could beat Press his rookie year. It was one of the best things he was at that rookie year and why he had so much success. But I do see him getting around 600 to 600, 600 to 650 yards because he's going to create big plays, right? Yeah. Even though if he doesn't have the volume of a of a starting wide receiver, he's going to get he's going to get the big plays. So I, I went and looked at yards per catch leaders last year, Justin. Jalen Waddle was first at eighteen point one yards per catch, but I thought the guy who was third and eleventh was interesting because it comes from you know Brian Dable schemes. Number number three was Gabe Davis, and number eleven was Darius Slayton. So both starters who are getting a good amount of volume, Justin. If he were to get at Jalen at Jalen Waddle, like lead the league in yards per catch, he would need 36 catches to get 650 yards. Now I don't expect him to lead the league in yards per catch, but I expect it to be very high, 15 yards or more. You know, because I think there's going to be some like this manufactured touches where he loses yards or only gets two yards, so he won't lead the league in that. But I do see him around like 35 to 40 catches, which is going to put him around that 600 to 650. Mark, but you think about it last year. Slayton only had 46 catches on this Giants team last season, and you have to feed Darren Waller, the starting wide receiver trio, as of uh, as of week one, and then Saquon Barkley. There's not just there's not going to be 65 to 70 t- uh, catches, which was which is what he would need to be rookie of the year. So those guys like Gabe Davis, what was his yards per reception last year? I didn't put down the after one, but he was third, so like 16 point something. All right, well, let's just go to Darius Slayton. We'll use because he was up there too. Yards per reception, Darius Slayton, 15.7. And he was 11th. So if Jalen Hyatt were to have 600 yards on 35 catches, that's 17.14 yards per reception. That would be like up there. Top five in the league, but that's kind of the player that Jalen Hyatt is. Right. Like I expect him, even as he develops, to be a top five player in yards per catch every year. I mean, he he uncovers deep. 
Yeah. Like we've seen it. We've seen it against Sauce Gardner and Panthers, you know, players against Giants players and and like it the speed is real. He uncovers deep and he's always going to be a person who creates big plays. If we didn't see it time and time again this summer, th- that that expectation would we be like, oh, we'll just see what we can get out of Jalen Hunt. And that's kind of like where I was at to start the summer. I was just kind of being like, yeah, we'll just see what we can get. Now I'm like, yeah, like go out and be go out and be the dude that you know you already are. And we'll see what else we can develop uh, as the year goes on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I, I just don't see rookie of the year because one. Why, like or wide receiver one at any point of this season because yeah. wide receiver one means the most targets or yards, and I just don't see the giant like you can't motion him for free releases all the time. Also, is Hyatt ever going to be your go to on third and seven? I don't think so. Not this year. Obviously, we're talking about rookie season only. So, I just don't envision that type of stuff for Hyatt in year one, and that's why I don't see him getting to be their wide receiver one in this season, especially when they have Darren. Wall. Like, there's just a lot of mouths to feed on this offense. Yeah, and at the end of the day, I also hope that the Giants' offense isn't throwing it at a tremendous rate. I want there to be more balance, but I don't want them throwing the ball 30, 35 times a game because that typically means you're losing. Like, lean on the strengths of your team, which Saquon Barkley is still here, and I still want him to be utilized a ton. And that, like you said, there are plenty of amounts to feed when they are throwing the ball anyway. So, um, And also, there's somebody like, you know, like Bijan Robinson. Uh, I have fantasy football on the brain and like, Hey, he's like a top five pick this year. Well, let me ask you this. <laughs> I have the third pick in my draft yeah. tonight. Is it crazy to take him third overall? I would not have any hesitation, but Tyler um, Algier on the roster gives me some hesitation, but CMC, the injuries worry me too much. I know Eckler gets a lot of run, but he's like kind of due for a year where he's not putting up great fantasy numbers. I kind of want to go Bijan. It's just the Tyler Algier element scares me. Yeah, if Justin Jefferson's off the board, I, I I think about it. I'm a big guy. I like to take swings, and you see these rookie running backs just come in and they're and the and they'll be a hit. Usually, when their teams draft them in the first round, that they want to give them volume. So even if Tyler Algier is going to come in here and he's going to get touches, the Falcons are also a team in the uh, they're the team in the NFL that they run the ball the most. There's like no team in the NFL that really runs it more. Than they do, and they have a very unclear quarterback. I think they're going to design a lot of stuff in the in the receiving game for Bijan too. So, yeah, yeah, so I'm, I, I I'm would taking Bijan third. I'm, I'm I would locking do it. it in. I hope no one, uh, none of one in my fantasy league that none of Giants fans are listening to this before I do it on Patreon. All right, Justin. Next question. Next question. I, this is a really, really good question. At Ryan, Ryan Schaefer at R Schaefer eighty four. Thoughts on going against the Dan Quinn defense week one that stunts 41% of the time after playing musical chairs all summer at guard. Bobby, I'll just answer this quick. Uh, not great. Not feeling great about that part of it. And thanks for Ryan Schaefer kind of putting that on my brain. What are you thinking? <laughs> so I I don't like to be for this pod. I don't want to put too much like the preview pod is the preview pod. So I didn't want to get into too much Dallas prep in this podcast. But I did want to talk about the rotation before we get into the heat of the season. Yeah, I mean, I'm wor- Dallas's front still like even Evan like Evan Neal and Mark Lewinsky, they played a half together. They messed up two stunts in the preseason. Yeah, like Lewinsky didn't pick up one, and Evan Neal didn't pick up one, and they struggled with that last year. So those are the two guys who are set. And then you have a rookie center, <clears throat> and then a rotation at left guard. They've got 
to gel next to each other and they look bad on combo blocks and stuff which is a big part of like working together and the argument for not doing this rotation stuff so yeah the rotation worries me and just this dallas front worries me in in particular yeah i'll I'll keep some of my dallas thoughts uh, on the wraps for for friday's show but yeah i mean that's especially the team that runs stunts at one of the highest rates in the nfl if not the highest rate the chemistry at guard will be tested right away and especially that interior it's going to be tested right away and was it a problem last year, Bobby? Because it's not even like, you know, the it's not like Golinski and Neal are playing next to each other for the first time. They played next to each other basically all last year. Was that kind of an issue last year that they had? Golinski and Neal did. So it's it's not even about like gelling too much where Thomas is so good that he just makes life easier for stunt pickups and stuff. But yeah, Thomas and, and or Neal and Golinski had issues with that. And then Bredesen, I don't worry about it too much next to Thomas. Azudu, I do with him and JMS. But yeah, I mean, Dallas knows the strength of the Giants offensive line is on the left side. So yeah. they're gonna they're gonna throw a lot of stuff at the right side of them. So it's it's I have I have confidence going into this Dallas game, but there's two areas that give me worry. It's the center to right tackle and left guard to right tackle if Josh Azudu's playing, and the the rookie corners. Yes, for sure. You cannot have a repeat of that first Dallas game last year. Like that, the offense was just inoperable. Where <laughs> Daniel Jones is just play action. Any pass attempt, it's Daniel Jones play action, rollout, play action, rollout, play action, rollout, because you're avoiding the right side of the offensive line where Demarcus Lawrence had his best game since like 2017. He had like a resurgent game. He was at that point, Demarcus Lawrence was not a very good NFL pass rusher, and then he has like five sacks against Evan Neal. Yeah, and even like Evan Neal, even if he improves, like facing Dallas is still tough, even if you're improved. Right. Like Michael Michael Parsons is going to test Andrew Thomas. Like Michael Parsons is really freaking good, man. There's a reason why this guy walked into the league and was a top pass rusher in the NFL. He's really damn good. And I expect Thomas to win that battle versus him. But Neal would have to be improved to, again, a top five right tackle in the league to where you're confident against Micah Parsons. I don't know if I'm that confident in Evan Neal's improvement to where it's like it's gonna they're gonna test us. And the way those guys move, man, those stunts, Micah Parsons in particular, the way he's able to move laterally, they just they just wreak havoc up front. And I don't know if the giant like when you're facing stunts, if you got good confidence in your offensive line, you can just run against that stuff. But the Giants offensive line has showed to struggle with that stuff in the run game too. So I think there's going to be a lot of headaches up front, and it's going to be a question of can DJ and these weapons, like can 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 this scheme get DJ and these weapons enough shots to score 27 points? Yep, for sure. Bobby Skinner, uh, who was going to talk about something first? You or me? I already forget the order. You were. I was. Perfect. Bobby Skinner. This episode is brought to you by the Farmers. Dog. That's right. The results of switching your dog's food from kibble to fresh can seem like magic, but the farmer's dog doesn't use any sorcery or secret ingredients to make their food their, to make their fresh food just science. And I could say my dog's mood severely, severely improved since I have switched to the farmer's dog. Hard we we, we use hard we used to use hard hard food. For Mikey, but we for my dog Mikey, but we would like wet it 
and like the sink so it can get softer since he has like a very sensitive stomach. We don't even need to do that with the farmer's dog because it comes fresh. It comes nice and soft. So even if my dog is a is a freaking hyena and just scarfs it down, he's good and it'll digest nice in his stomach. And since it's fresh, of course, it's going to digest nice in his stomach because it's actually good for him. The farmer's dog, they they make and deliver fresh, healthy dog food. It's developed by vets net nutritionally balanced and made from real healthy ingredients to human food safety standards. I may even try some after this. I'm really hungry. doesn't matter if your dog is young or old. It's always the right time to begin investing in their help, helping you live a more healthy, happy, and full years together. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash johnboy, plus you get free shipping. That's thefarmersdog.com slash johnboy for 50% off. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. I'm actually quote tweeting somebody right now. Well, what are you saying? Not extending Leo seems silly to me. Give him another year or two at a reasonable amount would work for both sides. His cap hit this year is nutty. Saying Leonard Williams won't and shouldn't take any extension that doesn't have him making over twenty oh, million no. average annual value. People are gonna be like, He's not worth that much. What are you talking about? Easier said than done. Leonard Williams agent isn't blind to the defensive tackle. He's not worth that much. What are you talking about, Bobby Skinner? Booming defensive tackle. Market. Market. Boom. Knew the last word. Come on. Pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa! Ah. I'm going to read the next question. You the next question. Die the Giant at NYG in Wales, outside of injuries and how Evan Neal improves or not. Kind of talked about that. What's the biggest area that decides if the season is successful or not? I'm glad he used those two disclaimers because those are the two biggest worries. <laughs> like, Neal is the biggest worry, and then injuries. Like, we're daring it wall our injury away from this receiving group not looking as enjoyable. Like the receiving group of like Slayton, Hodgins, Campbell, Hyatt. When you have Waller, it's like, Dave, hey, let's do this. This is a good little group. When you remove Hyatt and you put Daniel Bellinger, who was 40th of 42 in yards per route run last year for tight ends, it makes it a little less fun because now you're relying on these guys to be the top targets. So I'm glad they put those in there. I think it's pretty – Deontay Banks and Trey Hawkins starting a cornerback. Yeah. Like, they've impressed, but there's year one issues that I worry about playing cornerback. On both of these guys on the outside, too. Like, Banks, even with good preseason tape, still loses the release. And outside wide receiver one, going to make you pay for that. Like, you're not going to be able to rely on, on your speed and athleticism to get back there. And then Hawkins – Struggles at the catch point to track the ball. We've seen that in camp. Yep. Like, hasn't been tested on it in preseason, but, like, actually, he even did. He gave up, didn't he give up that big, like, uh, like it was a third and 19, but he gave up a catch on third and 15 or whatever it was? Maybe not. Now I'm tripping. So it's just, you had giant, you had a Dory Jackson on one side of the field last year to shut down that side. And this year, you have him in the slot. And I just, you're going to face some teams that are going to be like licking their chops to face two rookie corners on the outside. 
And if if they are good to start, it's going to be the most. Then my expectations for this team like get even higher than they are right now, which is probably too high. But yeah, I, I have real worries about having two rookie corners starting. Yeah, and I don't even know. Like, are they're they're not really going to roll out a Dorian in the slot a hundred percent of the time? And these two, like Darnay Holmes, is still going to be a player that I think is going to rotate in to the starting lineup at times, you know, not not playing maybe the the same rate at snaps that he was playing, but you would agree with that, right? So then Adori can bump back to the outside. Well that's the that'll be the week two when they play um I guess the Cardinals. Cardinals. The Cardinals don't have much to throw at you. But it will be interesting when we're not playing one of the two teams that features their number one wide receiver in the slot, how they do this. Right. Right. Because week one's not a test of like what they want to do for the whole season because it's one again, it's one of it's one of two teams you play that features a slot. And how we might not Cooper Cup is dealing with injuries, so it might even just be one team. Right. So yeah, I'm not even it, no matter how much I think that is a worry, and we have a question later where I'm gonna talk about slot corner. Um no matter how much of a worry it is, I'm like I don't think we're gonna see a Dory Jackson one hundred percent of the snaps being lined up in the slot. I think they have they have four guys that they can rotate in and out and feel somewhat okay about, even though Darnay Holmes is, a, you know, do you can argue that Darnay Holmes is just just as much of a liability in the slot than than it is to start two rookie corners on the outside, and that's a yeah, great if point. Not more so, you know. right? It's and that's a great point about Hawkins at the at the catch point. Did you hear that New York New Jersey accent come out when I said Hawkins? It's such a good point because I think the the talking point. I hope it doesn't go away, but the talking point of throughout the summer was. Yeah, Trey Hawkins, even when he allows catches, it's very sticky coverage. Uh, that point will go away, and that positive spin around will go away if Michael Gallup or whoever is, is is mossing him, and he has sticky coverage, but he can't find a way to make a play on a football, and he can't find a way to force an incompletion or get a pass deflection. Uh, that point will go away very quickly if, uh, if teams start to pick on him in that way. But I hope we don't get to that point, because those well, two guys have looked good, but... Also, we'll they're rookies too. Like, yeah. there's expected issues, and it, it like if they're struggling, it doesn't mean you give up on these players. But again, you're trying to win games this year, so development. Like, like even if it's like, hey, year two, it's like, man, we or year two or year three, it's like, man, we got two good corners out of this class. But year one, there's going to be rookie struggles. Like, I, I like Banks has to get better at the release. He's got to time his press um, better. You know, he just kind of can get thrown off by some of the better releases that he's going to face. And then Hawkins, like you said, at the catch point. So, which is like, those guys should have struggles. They're rookies. They need to grow, get better as the season goes along. But going into the season is my biggest worry outside of the two, the kneel and the injury stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, again, the question is, what's the biggest area that decides if the season is successful or not? We got a damn good coaching staff in Jerome Henderson and Wink Martindale. Right. That's like you're gonna put, you're gonna be facing, forcing guys to get rid of the ball quick, which is like that's why teams have a low completion percentage against the Giants because they're getting the ball out quick. And you have a good, you've had a, you've had a, a DB coach who has taken bad players and made them playable. So let's see what they could do with two talented guys in their rookie year and see if we get those guys to be playable and solid. Yeah. All right. So I guess I'll, I'll go with explosive plays and that's a shocker that's a shocker for me right but i i really do think this offense needs to add another element of what they did last year because the nfl will start to figure out 
the quick passing game and the stuff that Kafka and the stuff that Dable are doing, the Eagles already did start to figure it out. They were, you know, in, in all in all of the matchups, basically, especially the ones where the starters played last year. The rest of the league will catch up. And the way that you offset and the way that you add another wrinkle to the offense is by being more explosive. Because they did not do that last year. Uh, they especially through the air. They were last in the NFL um, in explosive pass plays, and there was a decent. It was by a decent margin and a, and a decent gap. So um, that's why it was so impressive what they did last year, Bobby, by winning nine games, by winning a playoff game, by having an offense that was the least explosive um, in the NFL through the air. But if they can add the other wrinkle with Hyatt, continue to add on with Slayton, you have Paris Campbell there, you have Darren Waller there, that will make the offense way more diverse, way more versatile, and and you're also going to turn over the ball more too. And if you can produce some big plays, those big plays will just make your, it will make offense easier put you ahead of schedule i feel like that's a cheating answer because i feel like that's that's saying evan neal because they got the weapons to do it this year like last year they didn't ha- they didn't have it because like I, th- I i put out a tweet yesterday morning talking about like position change not not necessarily just upgrades just different starters week one it's like they had david sills kenny galladay and richie james and none of those kenny galladay it's a shame like at one point was the explosive play guy but last year was just done like none of those guys were ex- creators of explosive and Daniel Bellinger. None of those guys. Now you have like you have you can put out eleven personnel and have four guys who are capable of creating a big play. Um. So yeah, Evan Evan Neal I think is a big decider on doing that. We know like I'm not expecting the most like number one in average depth of target no, and number no, one no, no. in explosive plays, but to get into like the fifty to twenty range while also staying efficient on everything else, I'm. I have full confidence in Daniel Jones and these weapons doing that. It's, can Evan Neal hold up to like really a lot, really put confidence in the coaching staff to call more plays like this? Yeah, because it's not just about like can you do it? Can you do it without being sacked five times a game? Because they they could this this team is capable of being a top twelve or whatever in explosive plays. But if Evan Neal's not good. They can still do that, but they're going to be giving up a lot of sacks and ending a lot of drives based off of right. that. So it's and coaching staffs. It's always easier said than done to be a coaching staff and just put like, hey, we're going to have to live with some of the pressure and stuff. Um, and but we know we're going to create explosives. It's a lot easier said than done. Yeah. Yes, for sure. We've had coaching staffs in the past just be flat out afraid of that. We're not going to try to do the thing that le- that leads to winning the most because we want to avoid the bad. Which, I guess, if you look at the personnel, I, I don't know. Jason Garrett well, sacks are sacks. <laughs> you look at sacks are the... And it's why I think when people talk about coverage versus pass rusher and stuff, and I think coverage... Bet, like, if you're like, what do you would you rather have? Great coverage or great pass rush? I think coverage helps you on a week-to-week basis more. But pass rush wins games because sacks and drives, and that's the way you beat good. That's the way you beat great offenses is as getting sacks. Yep. That's why I think it always shows up more in the playoffs than it may might uh, in the regular season. For sure, you have a team like uh, the Bengals. The Bengals are the one team that, like, I, I think they embrace as a coaching staff that we are going to take some more sacks, um, but we're going to be more explosive than everybody else. But then that's exactly how they lost the Super Bowl. No, is that they did take those sacks and their offensive line couldn't hold up. <laughs> so it's it's, it's a how nice healthy little can Joe Burrow stay too. 
it's a nice little you know formula maybe in the regular season, but you know you got to have the line up front to protect. And we and we we all we all know this yeah. for sure. I mean, they also have Joe Burrow and correct and one of the, the best really... wide receiver trio in the NFL. Yeah, correct. Uh, next question is coming from Nico Ryzen. Can you read an ad, please, Bobby? I can, baby. And this ad is really close to my heart because it helps me because I'm a disorganized person. Not really, but I will pay for stuff that I don't need to. Like, I remember a couple years ago, I was paying for all these subscriptions that I wasn't using. And I actually used this company, so I was very excited when I saw that they wanted to work with us. And that is Rocket Money. Mm. There's subscription for everything these days, from streaming services to fitness programs, and sometimes it feels impossible to keep tabs on what you're paying for every month. That's why I'm such a huge fan of Rocket Money, especially now that I have YouTube TV, and it's like, I want to use HBO Max to watch this and stuff, but it's like you forget about it, and you keep paying for it. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds you uh, finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. No more long hold times or annoying emails with customer service. Rocket Money does all the work for you. That's another thing. Being on the phone with these people is like a living hell, and they take that away for it. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place. Recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you reach your month when your spending limits. With over 3 million users and counting, that's almost as many listeners as Talking Giants, Rocket Money customers have saved an average of $720 a year. That is a lot of Patreon. Stop <laughs> wasting money on the things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash giants. That's rocketmoney.com slash giants. Rocketmoney.com slash giants. You'll be glad you did. Hey, sure. Now I'm a little scared to, to talk about because Rocket Money is a great is a great app, right? Yes. But I feel like some people are gonna be like, "Ah, eh, I don't really want to pay these guys Patreon anymore." Oh, tough! Don't do that to us, Rocket Money. Tough. You'll be glad you did, though. You know You'll what? Be glad if, you did. If the, if the listeners are happy with their life and better spending, then I'll be happy too. Just the next question. Tucker Cherry at Tucker underscore Cherry underscore. Should Isaiah Simmons be used primarily as a situational pass rusher or an every-down linebacker? Rotational, right? And this is when we're talking about stuff before the season. That's where he's his best. He's He is not a good every-down linebacker, right? He's just not. He's not shown to be that, and that's what the position the Giants have him playing. His run fits are slow, soft, and his zone coverage is flat-out terrible. But what he's the best at, blitzing, using his athleticism and man coverage. But you can't have him doing that on an every single play, down-to-down basis if he's your starter. Now, if McFadden struggles, though, Justin, mm. like really badly, then yes, I think you can put him full-time because he'll be a better option than Mike and McFadden, which I can see happening, possibly. But to start, rotational. And, and he's new to the team, too. Like, let him let him go out there and get comfortable and asking him what to do and, and then put more on his plate as you go. Yeah, I think him being him being utilized as a weapon is the best option for this Giants defense right now. Do you anticipate I don't know if we're gonna talk about like Isaiah Simmons specifically during the preview pot, so I don't mind asking this question. Do you envision a specific role Isaiah Simmons serving 
this Giants team this Sunday? Like man-to-man versus Jake Ferguson, do we really feel the need to to do that? Tony Pollard duty or kind of just situational, you're going to be here, we're, we're telling you to go, go after the quarterback, go be fast, go be athletic. Any specific role or just kind of in general, maybe what we saw a little bit in the preseason? I think it's going to be third downs. Okay. And, pa- and passing situations where Wink is wanting to throw a lot at these offenses where it's like, hey, we're going to line up everybody on the line of scrimmage, whether that's Simmons on the edge or in the A-gap, B-gap, wherever. You can line him up everywhere, and he's kind of a threat. You know, you line up, I don't know, what other, you know, what other – like, if you line up Jason Pinnock out on the edge, he's a threat as a pass rusher because there's so many guys and he's the one that's unblocked and he's got the speed. But if you do block him, he's not a threat to beat the block. Right. Isaiah Simmons is, and coaches do not like doing that to their quarterbacks, especially a veteran like Dak Prescott. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see Simmons play, though, because, again, we, we're not the Arizona Cardinals who invested a first-round pick and he's a bust for us. We are the New York Giants who traded a seventh-round pick for him, and we want to use him as a rotational player and let his athleticism flash. Yeah. What do you got to lose? Nothing. That's what I say. Uh, next question, Bobby. Next question. Oh, next question. Waiting for the Doug E. Fresh. Doe, as I would call them once. 86. What do you make of the overall depth at safety and Nick McLeod's role? Could the play of Pinnock, Belton, and Owens be the deciding factor for Joe Shane to give or not give Xavier McKinney a contract, considering he said he was going to wait? Yeah, I don't think any of these guys are good enough to make you feel comfortable letting McKinney walk. Like, I don't want McKinney walking. Unless you unless you are, like, confident that you can draft Cam Kitchens or something in the draft. Shout out Miami. Like, I am not comfortable letting McKinney... Like, none of these guys... Pinnock has the athleticism, but are we expecting him to turn into, like, a top of the leagues, like a top 15 safety in the NFL? Do people no. actually have those expectations for him? No. Like the hope for Pinnock is he can be better than Julian Love, and I, if we like that wouldn't make me comfortable. Having Julian Love on this team wouldn't make me feel comfortable letting Xavier McKinney walking. So I don't think any of these guys are good. Like, and Nick McLeod is versatile, but he, Nick McLeod's not good. Like well, they're versus, putting him back at corner now too. Yeah, like, versatility is fun. But he brings some physicality, but like we saw him get smoked at corner, and we saw him at safety like. The traditional, like, yeah, you can put him down on the field for certain situations, but just playing on a down-to-down basis, he stinks. Um, Belton, I think, is going to be a solid third safety, but, again, he's not going to replace what McKinney does. And Owens, I think, can grow into be a solid starter, but that would be a lot of box work and, like, as a second safety. So yeah. I don't think anybody in this group makes you comfortable letting Xavier McKinney walk. Yeah, there were entire games last year where – you know, one of our first thoughts that we had while Xavier McKinney was hurt is that, damn, we win this game with Xavier McKinney. Because it's not, you know, it's so tough to really evaluate and measure Xavier McKinney's impact when he's not doing what he did in 2021 with Patrick Graham, where he's getting the interceptions, he's getting the pass deflections, and you can see the highlight worthy plays versus Wink. 
It's more about being a preventer. You know, the phrase that we've said for the last two years, a playmaker versus preventer. You know, and, and unless you're a film guy like Bobby and you're Dan Schneider and Nick Filato, where you're picking out, oh, Xavier McKinney really prevented this and flowed this one way and did a good job, you know, transitioning from corner to picking up a guy that was covering by the corner. Now he's being covered by the safety. It's tough to really pick up, like, what McKinney's doing. But I think what, while McKinney was hurt, I, you, you felt the impact lost the most. Um, and that's how I, you know, you kind of evaluate the value of a player kind of that way. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what McKinney's role is on this team now that they have Pinnock and, you know, they feel comfortable playing both those guys deep. Like McKinney is not, and even with that, like it's me playing like this McKinney's, I want to see more out of McKinney too, right? Yeah. Like there needs to be, there does need to be more plays made by Xavier McKinney. You're in a contract year. You need to make some plays. Or you're not going to get this big contract that you desire. Right. So you can have all the motivational tweets you want. You're going to have to show up and be a, like, you have to, you're going to have to be a, like, you're going to, have to be deflecting passes and making interceptions and creating run stops and tackles for a lot. Like, be, be that guy. Because right now he's, he, he didn't do that last year. He was good last year, but he didn't do all of that stuff last year. So, like, I also, I'm wanting more out of McKinney, but also, there's none of these other guys make me comfortable letting McKinney walk. But even if he doesn't have this amazing season, like what is Xavier McKinney? Xavier McKinney's not going to get like a Jesse Bates type contract either. Like, I don't think no, you're he, gonna, he may want I don't it. think, I don't think bringing him back means that you're paying him this, you know, top five safety contract either. Right. And I trust Joe Shane at this point, especially seeing how, Dexter Lawrence and that contract, you look at it and it's like, oh, this isn't as bad as it could have been. And same thing with Andrew Thomas. Oh, this isn't this isn't as bad as it could have been. Really, the only the only contract where you look back on it and you go yeesh a little bit is Daniel Jones, and that's you know with the position that he plays. And you know, I, I will I will live and die by the statement of the best decision Daniel Jones ever made in his life was was firing his agency. Uh, you know, a couple weeks before the the franchise tag deadline. So I trust that Joe Shane is gonna. Get Xavier McKinney and his team, and you know, get get the team to a point where the contract will be understandable, and he'll and he'll keep the guys in house that deserve to be kept in house, um, even if Xavier McKinney doesn't fully love the contract. Joe Shane has dug in his heels a little bit. All right, next question. Next question, Bobby Skinner. We're banging out ads. Stick with us here, but we get to talk about Manscaped, and we love talking about manscaped today's show it's brought to you by manscaped there's a psa and if you don't already know manscaped they now sell beard products and it all co- it all comes with the the brand new handyman i can speak i used the handyman this morning actually if you see my clean shaven face i was like razor goodbye i don't need it because i'm not growing like really crazy hair so i have the neck beard that i just need to kind of take care of and touch up a little bit and boom I'm ready to rock and roll to go back to work this week. I have a fantasy draft tonight, and I'm going to look good, and I'm going to look fresh and ready to go. Whether you're looking to sharpen up your neckline or give your face that smooth finish, the handyman, it's got you covered. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Giants at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com when you use code Giants. Hit the refresh button with Manscaped. Bobby Skinner, you'll certainly be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. Next the question. next question is coming from 
Mikey at Mikey underscore Glover underscore. If you could receive an immediate upgrade at any position, which position would it be? And then a two-parter. Is this the most optimistic you felt going into a season? Met you guys at camp. Thanks for being so open to talking with all of us fans. Thank you, Mikey. Appreciate you. So let's attack the first one. Definitely. Well, definitely most optimistic in the Talking Giants era. Yes. This question's harder than you would think because you have young pieces with big investments. Oh, this is easy for me. Like Evan Neal, Kayvon and Aziz, and Deontay Banks, which is like those are premier positions where there's some uns- – Kayvon and Aziz, it's not uns- – the, the uncertainty is how great they can be, not if they're good. Neal and Banks, it's like they're – they're you know, we've yet to be seen if they've been good. So it's like those are like positions of worry, that, but you still have big investments. So that's why I say wide receiver. Oh, really? Because we still just have a group of non-number ones. And like I said before, we are a wall or injury away from not being as happy about our weapons. For me, it's slot corner, and I think it's easy. Slot corner. That is the position. You you had this free pass yeah. to upgrade any position, and you're picking slot corner. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel really good about the secondary if we have a capable slot corner. Like, let's just say we feel really good about Cordell Flott. And Cordell Flott's the long guy. Who's the, the best l- slot corner? Like, okay, name the best the slot corner in the NFL you would take. But let right me now. finish my point. Not like it's a not, Madden creative player. It's not. It's not just. It's not just about having a good slot corner, but it's about feeling good about the secondary overall. Because then you put Adoree Jackson back in that position where he can be an outside corner. He can cover wide receiver ones all year long. You have Deontay Banks, who is going to be the corner that you're going to give the most help to as your first round corner. And then you have slot corner who can handle his own. I think you're feeling great, great about that secondary with the safeties that you have back there too. And we feel better about the development of the safeties and the group of guys that we have in that safety room. I think eh, maybe Julian Love. I, I feel better about the overall group and depth that we have about safety this year versus last year. Like I am really excited about this secondary. If we have a capable operating slot corner versus now I'm worried because we're putting a lot of pressure on guys that haven't proven a ton. Okay, I can name Justin Jefferson for mine. Name a player for yours. No, you br- you bring up a good point. Which is why you should have just kept the door in the slot and said, like, Sauce Gardner. Outside corner. All right, then I can then I can, I can do that too. A, a okay. cornerback. Okay, okay. How yeah, you should, yeah, corner. Okay, that's the corner is a good answer because you can, like, keep – but then you're you're keeping Trey Hawkins off the field. Are you comfortable keeping Trey Hawkins off the field? I mean, you can rotate. I mean, come on. I know. I'm just Trey Hawkins, man. It's going to be the ultimate like ah, uh, or the ultimate like victory lap Fuck of all yeah. time. <laughs> By the way, you know what game I'm looking forward to the most on Sunday, outside Tell the Giants, me. obviously. Yeah. Packers Bears. Because yeah. I'm excited for Bears fans to either. Be, eat the biggest freaking piece of humble pie we've ever seen in our life. Like the amount of trash talk Bears fans have put together this offseason oh, for crazy. Justin Fields. Who Justin Fields has all the ability in the world to be really good. But the confidence of Bears fans that this like not just being like we're not just being simply, hey, we're excited for this guy. He has like we've shown where he's good as rushing if he can improve as a passer. But don't get they they dunk on other fan bases. About their quarterback situation. They go out when, of their way. When Fields is like, could be done after this season with like, I'm not, like, I'm not, like, 
I am. I don't think Fields is going to be great this year because I think there's still a lot of questions as him as a passer. I think he'll be. I don't think he's going to be done with the Bears, but I don't think he's going to be amazing. Like I don't think he's going to be a, like a top tier quarterback in the NFL. I think he'll have those games and then other games where it looks really bad. So, but either that or they're going to take the vi- greatest victory lap of all time, which I like. The Bears are like my like the team that I kind of root for to do well. So I'd be excited for Bears to do the biggest victory lap of all time, too, because I kind of like Fields a little bit. But what is more likely? More likely is Fields struggles. Yeah. But the, here's the thing with Fields, though. And he has, like, he's he had one of the best rushing seasons for a quarterback of all time. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a floor of, like, being able to get some points on the board. But it's just how... It's, the question is, how much does he improve? Because if he improves to like an average passer with that rushing ability, that's a top like twelve quarterback in the NFL. I agree. Like, where if, it, if he gets to a point where his passing is okay and not a disaster, like it was last year, like watching him like read the field last year was a disaster. Like it was, it was, it was god awful. It was like some of the worst pa- like pocket passing in the NFL. So if he can just get that to average, it allows him to be a, a really good quarterback in the NFL. Robert Schmitz was talking about the other night how he was really good on third and fourth down towards like the second half of the year. Money dash. <laughs> um. So and and the Bear and the Packers have the unknown of Jordan Love and it's big rivalry. So it's just going to be like either way. There's going to be it's like a good litmus and- test for either of those for either of those teams, right? Yeah. I'm 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 pick, I'll probably pick the Packers to win that, but that's for the preview pod. Preview Justin. pod, yeah. I'm interested to see what the what the line is on on that game, what the spread. You'll see on the preview pod Friday. You'll see Justin. on the preview pod. Next question. Next question. Did Julian get fired from UCF? So if you're not in the loop on this, we used to have an intern who's like not just like an intern, like he's part of the talking. Like he's an intern because he was a fan of the show and threw us some ideas and we used them, and we're like, we want to bring you on, so we brought him on as an intern, part of the Talking Giants family. And Julian, if you've been following us since after the draft, you don't know Julian. Like if you just if you fall before, you probably know Julian. Julian's been working with us for the last two years, long yeah. time. Julian left, and he's working full time for UCF. Like, doing a lot of stuff for them. One of those things that he does is social media. He's the head of content. Thursday night, you may have seen a tweet going around of UCF with their quarterback on the phone saying, Call the National Guard in all capital letters. Yep. Which is a reference to Shannon Sharp saying that in 1996, right? Only issue. (laughs) Julian's dumbass did not know they were playing Kent State, who had... Go, go, I don't need to explain it if you don't know the reference. And I don't blame Julian for not knowing this, especially in the with all the shootings that happen now. I, I can understand how one from the 70s can get lost. But it involved the National Guard. So they're... They, they, come on, Julian. What are you doing? So Julian has... The whole... Like, there's people calling for Julian to be fired. Julian's getting awful announcing. Or not specifically, just UCF in general. But awful announcing USA Today. And who would have thought that Julian would have all this heat on us before we'd ever get any heat like that? His first game. His first game. <sighs> and also, you want to know the funny thing is? The funny thing is, is that when he, when Julian worked with us and he made graphics, thumbnails, he was a part-time producer. Whenever I couldn't, Julian was awesome. There will never, we will never have 
help. Uh, like he's not, he's not that great. No, I'm serious. Just the, the videos and like just the the memes and everything. And he really cared about it. So the one thing that he was not really willing to do and he didn't like to do was writing captions. That is the one thing that he said, I do not want to do that. So he would always just send the graphic to Bobby or myself or whoever. And in his first game <laughs> with UCF, he gets in trouble for writing a caption. So I just found that to be really, really funny. What an idiot. I just, I, I was, I was, so it's like, first you see that and like, oh my, it's like, oh my God. That was, so the first thing we did was like text Julian. and was like, was this, who did this? And he's like, yeah. Maybe we shouldn't be sharing. Ah, eh, you know what? Don't don't tweet about this. Just listen to this on the podcast. Yeah. But it it definitely was someone. It, anyways, there's suspicions that it was Julian, and obviously, like it's an understandable mistake, right? Julian, oh my god, yeah. Like fi- fifty three years later. Yeah. So it's like obviously Julian <laughs> do it on purpose, but just the worst timing of all time. So that was, that was, that was wild. And there was people like, he's been getting nasty emails about that, yep. which I guess you kind of deserve. Like you, you just, you didn't deserve to be fired or anything, but you did, you do deserve for people to call you dumb. Right. I didn't, I, I didn't know that happened. You didn't know it happened or you didn't know that it was the national guard. You didn't know about like a Kent state shooting. Never. So I could see. Never knew that that was an event that happened in us history. You know, I hate to do this on this podcast. I think that's a little more understandable, though, because so many shootings happen now. Where I my last year in high school was, what, 13 years ago now? So mm-hmm. that They didn't happen at the volume that they happen now, where it's like, so you had like the Columbine, Kent State, those were like the two big ones. And now it's like those, com- Never knew. comparatively so, they're they're small. Which is crazy to think about. Like I, I had to, I had to research. How, now why, we have to get real and like, yeah. I had to research why people were getting upset about that. But also, yeah. I don't even, I don't even I feel understand. Like, I feel like the youth should know it, just maybe not know that it was the National Guard directly that did it. I don't even understand the Shannon Sharp reference either. I'm a very uncultured person overall. Yeah, Shannon Sharp like got on the phone and was like, I can't remember who they were playing, but it's like called the National Guard, like you know, Mr. President called the National Guard because they were being them so bad also dumb tweets jimmy buffett died and ryan dunleavy quote tweets it and was like margaritaville was the only place i ate on spring break (laughs) it's like what are you doing what a a touching tribute you gave him ryan dunleavy that you only you ate at margaritaville five times during spring break Oh, I met Victor Cruz this past weekend. Wait, Bobby, uh, we have to, we have to talk about one more thing. Uh, then we'll talk about Victor Cruz after that. Can you believe we've had seven months of without an NFL game? Crazy, right? Well, good thing that's over. NFL is here in DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you got. Download the download now and use code WORLD to sign up. New customers can take $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting 5 bucks. That's code WORLD only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
the crown is yours. Gambling pod, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. CDKNG.com. CO slash football for eligibility terms, responsibility, gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Hey, Shula, you better hope I never get back in there. I will kick your Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs and have some fun. Before you talk about Cruz, I was yeah. thinking, I think we really should bring back reading dumb tweets for the pod for game day, like game recap pods. Yeah. I feel like we can get some good ones this year. So keep that in your mind when watching the game, seeing tweets. Just at the end of on Monday pods, recapping games, we'll we'll go through dumb tweets at the end. Pa- Patreon, um, give us some ideas. That'll that'll be it because I'll be at the game and we'll be going crazy if you well, just, see. T- just tag just tag us, but like tag us and or even we'll we'll put we'll talk about it in the chat before uh, before we record. There you go, another Patreon perk. Be part of the show. Contribute. Be a, be a researcher. Be a talking giants researcher. I was um, Victor yeah, Cruz. So, so I uh, so I was on getting ready to go on the train to talk to Victor Cruz for a few minutes on Saturday morning, and then boom, I see Jimmy Buffett died. I'm like, oh well, this is gonna ruin my morning. No, not really. Oh, it's tough for Jimmy Buffett. I really like Jimmy Buffett. I went to went to spring break. Had Margaritaville every single time. What? <laughs> Just touching tribute, Ryan Dunleavy. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Foot Locker uh, reached out uh, to John Boy Media and was like, oh, Victor Cruz is going to be at the Foot Locker on 34th Street for a little bit, giving back to some kids from Patterson, School 21 in Patterson. That's where Victor Cruz went to school. So there was about a group of like 20, 30 kids that each got like $200 gift cards and they picked out shoes for back to school. So shout out to the Victor to Victor Cruz and the Victor Cruz Foundation. That was a cool little event that they did. So I met Vic, talked with him for a few minutes. I did call him Vic. Like we're like we're close friends, and I I could establish that I can call him Vic. I guess uh, record a little interview for socials. We'll be putting out some clips. Um, I I'll give out one the my favorite clip and my favorite part. I did show him because he's a fashion guy. I showed him all of the times that I've recreated like Giants pictures of like Giants athletes doing stuff like Odell, Kayvon, and Saquon. That got him good. Um, he wasn't expecting to see my nipples in multiple pictures, and he said, "This is absurd," and he left. And I left too. So that was a that was probably the best moment. That's pretty cool. Did uh, did you do the salsa? No, my I I wanted to ask him the question of how sick and tired are you of people asking you to do the salsa basically everywhere you go, and I forgot I've had that question written down, and I didn't ask it. It's a great question when you know a guy talks about one thing a lot, but you still want to talk about it. Is like asking him, like, are you tired? Like, who? What's another example of that? Like David Tyree. Oh, Actually, yeah. no, because David Tyree is kind of like a one. Like, there's he's only known for one thing. Um, Victor Cruz in the salsa. I mean, that's that's. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of a different example though. Like, what's Charlie what's some- Sheen in Tiger Blood? Yeah, well, he's just a lunatic. All right, that's an episode. <laughs> we'll see you guys Friday for a preview pod. Danny King's back. I'm very excited, man. I'm very excited. So we'll see you then. Appreciate This is the last off-season pod. Whoa.
Like I know training camp like kind of turns it in the end season, but this is the last off season pod, last off season uh, intro too, which is which is nice. So we'll see you on Friday. It's game week. Until then, let's go big blue. <laughs>